Today we're going to look at the cause of our redemption. The name of the message is the cause of our redemption. What is the cause of our redemption, beloved? What is the cause of our redemption in Christ? When Paul was writing to the saints at Corinth on the subject of redemption and reconciliation and salvation by and in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle says, all things are of God. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 11 to 21, but our text will be found in verse 18. This is Paul again writing to the Corinthian church. In verse 18, he makes the statement that all things are of God. So let's read verse 11 to 21 to get the context of what we'll be looking at today. Paul writes, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God in verse 11. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commended not ourselves again unto you, but gave you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye might have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. See, our glory, we glory in the Lord, don't we? We don't glory in anyone but the Lord. We don't glory in ourselves. We got nothing to glory about. Nothing at all. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. I was talking to a dear brother on the phone the other day, and he said, you know, I told my son, everything, everything I do at work, I do for the glory of God. Go to work, I go to work for the glory of God. That's a wonderful way to look at things, isn't it? Glorify God in everything you do. Give him all the glory. Give him thanks that you got a job to go to. Give him praise that you got a means to provide for your family. Give him praise for your home. For heat. For coffee. <laughs> all these things come from our great God. All of them. More so, though, give him praise for our spiritual blessings, too, right? That we have in Christ. Justification, sanctification, redemption, wisdom to know who God is. All comes from him. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us. Now, folks often say, when you preach the doctrines of grace, they say, well, what you guys preach allows people to do whatever they want. That's the verse to take them to. The love of Christ constrains us. That's what constrains us from sin. Now, we're still sinners. We still commit sin. But that's what constrains us from committing even more sin is the power of God and the love of Christ for us. The fact that it's my sin that nailed him to the cross. Mine. So the love of Christ constrains us then, constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we live and have our being in Christ, don't we? As Paul wrote. That's how it is. We live, we live serving Christ. 
Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we, know, know we him no more. He's gone home to glory. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. <laughs> We're new creatures in Christ, we who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We still look physically the same, right? That's why people look at us and say, oh, you're, it's still Wayne, or it's still Dave, or it's still Jonathan. They look and they see who we are, right? It's Dan. But I'll tell you what. When you're born again of the Holy Spirit of God, God's done a work in you. You're not the same inside. You physically, and what do we battle the most? People say, oh, the devil made me do it. It ain't the devil. It's your flesh. The worst enemy we have is this flesh. This flesh. So many people in religion blame the devil. It's our own fault. It's our own fault. Praise God for redemption in Christ, where all our sins are paid for. But it says here, therefore, if any man be in Christ, the question is, are you in Christ? Are you born again of the Holy Spirit of God? Christ said you must be born again. Didn't say you must make a decision. Didn't say you must walk an aisle. Said you must be born again. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you been granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Trust him wholly? Cast away all other things and just rest in him? Because if that's true, if you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'll tell you why I was telling someone last week that that uh, after the Lord saved me, I think it was you, Brother Brian, after the Lord saved me, then birds were chirping. They were chirping better than I'd ever heard them chirp before. I mean, it might have been Tom I was talking to. It was unbelievable. I, I, I went outside, and it was like a heavenly choir out there. My goodness. Everything was different, though. My whole perspective on the world was different. It had changed. And now, as we grow in grace... Our perspective of the world changes even more. Now we see that God's in control even more. Over everything. Every mo- there's not, a, mo- there's not a, a molecule out there that's going, I'm going to do whatever I want. There's not a maverick molecule. Everything is controlled by God. Every atom, everything is controlled by God. And by him all things consist, the scripture says. My, oh my. It says here, verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. Look at that. Did we reconcile ourselves to God? That's not what that scripture says, does it? (laughs) It says God's reconciled us to himself. You know why? Because we can never reconcile ourselves to God. We're sinners. We fell fell on Adam. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We can never reconcile ourselves to God. So what happens? God himself reconciles us to himself. Oh, that's wonderful news. That's wonderful, isn't it? And he did it all. He did it all, beloved. He did it all. And then he's given to us, as believers, the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know every one of us is an ambassador for Christ? Not just preachers. Every one of us is an ambassador for Christ. Every one of us. And you know what we tell people of? We tell people of a far country. Because we're just passing through this world, aren't we? We're going home one day. We're going to a far country. And who's, who's the leader there? Who's the captain of our salvation? God himself. 
God himself. Oh, my. And this ministry of reconciliation is that Christ died for sinners. We don't know who the elect are, do we? So we preach to everyone. The gospel goes out into the world and accomplishes whatever God, whatever God desires it to accomplish. And I'm glad we don't know the numbers. I'm glad we don't know how the Lord uses it because we just brag on it then. He just takes it and uses it for his glory. And we marvel. We just marvel. Absolutely marvel at what he's done. My, oh, my. Brother Tom said in his prayer, we just pray the Lord takes it and uses it. Reaching places we could never even reach. Countries we could never even hope to go to. Some countries you can't even send missionaries. And there goes the gospel through the internet. My, See, man uses it for evil, but God uses it for good. My, oh, my. And look at this. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So how has he, he reconciled us? In Christ, who is God. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. When the gospels preach us the word of reconciliation, going forth. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now remember, he's writing to, he's writing to the saints at Corinth. He's not just writing to the preachers, is he? He's writing to the saints. He says, we're ambassadors, all of us. We're ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? Well, it tells about the country, doesn't it? it? Tells about the ones who are running the country. Oh my, we're going to a far country, beloved. We're going to a heavenly country. Heaven. Now we're ambassadors for Christ. As though, look at this. As though God did besiege you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. My. Be ye reconciled to God. How is one reconciled to God? Only in through Christ Jesus our Lord. How is one in Christ? By being born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Why is one born again of the Holy Spirit of God? Because Christ redeemed them at Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago? Why did Christ redeem those, those people 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross? Because God chose them in eternity in Christ. Do you see how it just keeps going back to God? He gets all the glory. All of it. All of it. My, it's wonderful. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did besiege you by us. We preach you and we, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God. That's our hope when the gospel goes out, is that, that God's lost sheep be reconciled, and they will be. He'll get every one of them. There's not going to be one left behind. You know, you get these people who, who are in religion, and they say, well, you can sin your way out of salvation. I can't. Can you? No. No, because Christ saved my soul, right? And saved your soul, too. Now, now again, did we just go out and do whatever we want? No. Look at that verse again, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. I keep remembering that, eh? Love of Christ constrains us. And then verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
All our sins were laid upon Christ and he bore them all. The sinless, perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Bore them all. And he knew no sin. He's sinless in his birth, sinless in his life, sinless in his death. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. His, his righteousness is imputed to us and our sins imputed to him. The great transfer. My, oh my. What a savior. My. So in all aspects of salvation, our redemption by Christ is attributed to God and God alone. Salvation's all the Lord. It's all of him. And we cannot read the scriptures without seeing that, right? But we can't see that unless the Holy Spirit regenerates us. And that's why man in his natural state has enmity with God. They see what's written in the scriptures and right away it offends their pride. It offends their pride. What? You mean there's nothing for me to do? That can't be true. Well, that's what God says. He says there's salvation only in Christ. Turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Oh, all through the scriptures we're confronted with the fact that this matter of salvation, in this matter of salvation, nothing is ascribed to us. Nothing. All through the scripture we see that. Nothing is ascribed to us. Nothing is caused by us in the salvation. And nothing is dependent upon us. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing that our salvation is not dependent upon us? I'd mess it up all the time if it was dependent upon me. But it's not. As Bruce Crabtree and I were talking about, and Bruce said, you can't ruin this salvation. You can't spoil this salvation. You can't. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 9. Look at this. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord. That's Jehovah there. Thy God. The, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Look at that. You know God's people are a chosen generation? You know we're each chosen out of our generation? Look at that. Special people unto himself. He chose us in Christ. Above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And there's no cause in us for him to choose us. Look at that. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number. And of course he's speaking about Israel here. But we know spiritual Israel is a, is a picture of the church in the Old Testament. He did not set his love upon you nor choose you. And, and look at how much we've seen here already. God's chosen us in verse 6. And then choose again in verse 7. God's a choosing God. He is. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any, other, than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, look at that. How long has he loved us? From eternity? Oh my, that, that, loves, that loves eternal love. It don't change. Imagine the person you love the most in this earth. And that love doesn't even compare to the eternal love of God for his people. It doesn't even, doesn't even hold a candle to it. it. doesn't even hold a candle to it. 
because the Lord loved you all from eternity, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord bought you with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman. We were in bondage, weren't we? We were in bondage to sin. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and the Lord redeemed us. 2,000 years ago, he redeemed us. Bought us out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And remember, Egypt's just a picture of the world. So when those Israelites were being delivered, here's a picture of us being delivered out of the world, beloved. My. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, Jehovah Elohim, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What a God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us from our sins, beloved. It's him and him alone. And that's why we give him all the glory. That's why we sing along with the psalmist. So then it is not of him that will, or not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy true sake. No wonder we sing right along with the psalmist that, don't we? You get all the glory, Lord. And you know, we're saved on because God's showing us mercy. We who are his people in Christ Jesus our Lord can say along with Paul, so then it's not of him that worketh, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And I'm a receiver of that mercy. See, when we're ambassadors, we testify of that, don't we? As ambassadors, we testify, God's showing me mercy. Why? Because he's loved me from eternity. And, and remember, witnessing isn't hard. In religion, witnessing, oh, you got to do this, knock on all these doors. All witnessing is doing is, is like the Lord told that gathering demoniac, go and tell the great things the Lord has done for you. He saved my soul. God did that. He did that in him alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. So then the cause of our redemption is only found in Christ, in himself, in God. And this is brought forth all through the word of God. And to believe it, it, it's so precious to us. The more we grow in grace, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as you read there, Brother Tom, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That just struck me when you, when you were reading. The unsearchable riches of Christ. You can't, you can, you know, you go into a mine, people go into mines and they start mining all these jewels and everything. This is a mine that will never end. Just jewels and gold and all kinds of precious metals. The script, that's what the scriptures is for us. My. And it's precious to us. It's precious as rubies, right? It's precious as diamonds. People love to get diamonds. You know, they shine and they're, they're pretty and they, they're valuable. Oh, this word is so valuable to us. Our Savior is so valuable to us. He's so wondrous to us. My. And think of this as we are in awe and profounded by the things that the scripture tells us about Christ, it's only by grace that we're enabled to see these things. Mercy. Mercy. There's people that read this book and don't see nothing. Don't see nothing. But we, can, we read this, this book and and the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures for us. Spurgeon used to say, before you read your Bible, pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate the scriptures. 
Oh my, it's wonderful. Say, Lord, illuminate the scripture. Show me the things of Christ. And like I said, you don't have to, you know, folks get wrapped up. I read five chapters, I read ten chapters. If you read a portion and get understanding from it, I talked to Tim James one time, and I, when I first got here, I'm like, Tim, how do you prepare your messages and all that? He says, Wayne, he says, I, I find a section of scripture, just two verses or so, and he says, and I sit there and think about it in my study. He says, then I go chop some wood. And while I'm chopping wood, I'm thinking about the verse. Come in, and I write a few things down, and he says, I go chop some more wood. Write a few more things down. See, he's just ruminating on that scripture. And that's so for us, too, just to ruminate on the truth. You find a nugget, just ruminate on it. Think about it the whole week. Just let it go through your mind. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. You find yourself rejoicing over the truth. You find yourself getting so excited about the word of God. It's wonderful. Oh, my. It's like when I found that word not that we looked at in Sunday school. And the absolute negative. Oh, my, was, I, 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 it was wonderful just to see that. That the, the gospel is not of man in the absolute negative. Couldn't even be thought of by man. Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So the cause of our redemption by Christ must be found in the love, the grace, the mercy, and the purpose of God. So the first point I'd like us to consider is that the redemption of the Lord's people's souls originates and rises and flows to us from the everlasting love of God. From the everlasting love of God. Look at verse 18 again of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all things are of God, who hath, re- who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to, to us the ministry of reconciliation. The cause of our redemption is right there in that verse. Who hath God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Because God willed it. Because God planned it. Because God purposed it. The source and spring of every blessing of, of grace, election, adoption, regeneration, justification, effectual calling, redemption, preservation, and finally glorification all finds their source and spring in God, in him alone. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. This is so, brought forth so clearly in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, we'll look at three verses here. Actually, no, we'll, we'll look at, uh, yeah, we'll look at verses three to, 3 to 6, so four verses here. Ephesians chapter 1. Look, look what's brought forth so clearly here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, it doesn't say who has blessed us when we get to heaven with all spiritual blessings, does it? We already have them. We, already, we have them right now. And where are they? In Christ. Right now, you and I as believers... You and I who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God, we right now possess all spiritual blessings in Christ. My, what mercy. What mercy. 
And look at this. Now he's going, now he's going to turn back to eternity here. According as he has chosen us in, in him, in Christ, that being, before the foundation of the world. We're chosen in Christ before the foundation. Why? That we might be, that we should be holy and without blame. Look at that. Blameless. Blameless. Before him in love. And look, it's, it's not future, is it? According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Do you know that the believer right now, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, is holy and blameless before God, even though we're still sinners? Again, natural man would never think up something like that, would they? They'd never think of a salvation like that. It's all in Christ. That's why God says to us right now, I'll remember your sins no more. Because we're blameless in Christ. Even though we're still sinners. Explain that one, right? Well, that's what the Bible says and we believe it, right? That's what, the, that's what God tells us. My. Now why? Why did all that occur? Well, look at verse 5. Look at this. Oh, my goodness having predestinated us unto the adoption by, of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, we're, we're predestinated to be, be conformed to the image of Christ, aren't we? Yeah, but look at this. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. See, man always likes to talk about their will, don't they? Natural man, my will, my free will. <laughs> there's only one real free will, let me tell you that, and that's God's. That's God's. He's got free will to do whatever he pleases. <laughs> We're constrained by our nature. Again, our, in our natural state, we're constrained to the dead nature that we have. Right? We're born dead in trespasses and sins, so therefore all we do is sin. Now we have a new nature. We're still sinners in the flesh, Right? Now we have a new nature though. And what does that new nature do? It constrains us from sin, doesn't it? Holy Spirit in us. We get convicted of our sin now. We confess our sin now. My. But look at this. According to the good pleasure of his will. Do you want to know why you're sinned? According to the good pleasure of his will. That'll turn a Baptist into shouting, won't it? My goodness, we are saved according to the good pleasure of God's will. My, you told me this 20 years ago. I, I, I wouldn't know what you were saying. I would have I told you to, to go away from me. And now I love this. This is absolutely spectacular. Actually, it was 30 years ago, but... This is spectacular. This is wonderful. This is good news for sinners. And why? Look at this. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. We were estranged, weren't we? We were dead in sins, dead in trespasses and sins, alienated from God. Although he still had his eye on the sheep, right? But spiritually, we were, we were alienated from him. We were dead. Now to the praise and the glory of his grace, he hath made us accepted in Christ. 
We can stand in the presence of God, accepted in Christ. And notice, notice this isn't past tense. Notice this isn't future tense either. It's right now, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Right now. Right now. Accepted in the beloved. Right now. Now we were redeemed by Christ, weren't we, 2,000 years ago? We were, given, we were given to Christ by the Father. But my, oh my. Look at that. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. So the gift of Christ to be the redeemer of his people, where does it flow from? God's everlasting love. His everlasting love. The whole reason that Christ was sent here was because God loved the people and chose them in Christ in eternity based upon absolutely nothing in us. Christ was given to be the Redeemer before he was sent into this world. Scripture declares he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, right? Before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. My. He was given for a covenant to the people. He was given in covenant to be our Redeemer. And the gift of Christ by the Father was the effect of his love. The effect of his love for us. Listen to our, how our Redeemer describes it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We know that's not the whole world. But we do know that's a people. Because Christ came into this world to save his people from their sins. My, oh, my. God gave his son to be our redeemer long before he actually came to redeem us. Planned and purposed by God. According to the will of God. That Christ would die, that he would, he would go on that mission Scripture says he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem, which, which in the Hebrew means like a, a stone, immovable. He must go to Jerusalem to redeem his people from their sins. Again, that's why he said to those ladies, weep not for me when, when he's going to the cross. Weep not for me. Weep for yourselves. My, he's on a mission, beloved. Must redeem my people from their sins must. And what drove him? The eternal love of God. His love for us drove him to that cross, beloved. In the earliest days of time, Job knew the Son of God as the living Redeemer. And all the Old Testament saints waited for Christ. They looked forward to Christ to come as the Lamb of God to redeem his people from their sins. In the mission of Christ, what, what was his mission? To redeem his people, to save his people from their sins, to do that which we could never do. And in the fullness of time, like we saw, like we saw in Galatians for Paul's salvation, but God. In the fullness of time, at the exact second, not a second early, not a second late, at the exact second, Christ came into this world. At the appointed time of God the Father. And why did he come? He came as a lamb. He came as a lamb to redeem his people from their sins. 
And he offered himself up. Offered himself up for them to satisfy God's law and to satisfy God's justice in their place. And we who are the people of God, we say, Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior is Jesus Christ, my Lord. He redeemed us from all our sin and all our iniquity. And not only that, but he satisfied the law of God and the justice of God so that the wrath of God that was due us was poured out upon him and extinguished. And he so paid for our sins that God says, I'll remember their sins and iniquities no more. And why? Why? Because of the love that God's had for his people. He sent his son to die in our place. That's the Redeemer. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And him sent in his son was a clear instance, a clear instance of his instead of sinners, while they were such, is a full demonstration and high commendation of his great love unto them. We look at ourselves and often think we're not lovable, are we? But doesn't change the fact that God has loved us from eternity. We see our own sinfulness and we think, oh Lord, how can you love me? And he looks at us and says, I've loved you from eternity. Oh, what great love. Second cause of our redemption of the Lord's people's souls, which we can trace our redemption to Christ, is all by God's free and sovereign grace. Because it pleased him to do so. We are saved in Christ because it pleased God to do so. Look at verse 18 again, and it says, All things, and that's including the love of God, and this is including the God's free and sovereign grace. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It is by the free grace of God, the free and sovereign grace of God, which we can trace our redemption in Christ. Think of this, if grace is not free and by God's hand, then it's not grace, is it? It's not grace, then. It's like if, it, if you do anything for your salvation, it's not grace. Anything man does, it ruins grace for salvation. And this is like the love of God. The free grace of God is like the love of God. It's unmerited, it's undeserved, it's unsought after. Were we seeking God when he saved us? No. He made us willing in the day of his power, didn't he? And then we fled right to Christ. It was unmerited love. Unmerited favor. Clear of all conditions on man's part. No conditions in God's salvation on man's part. None at all. No merit, no motives in the creature that would cause God to love us, would cause God to pour his free grace out upon us. It's sovereign grace. Look at Romans chapter 9. Turn to Romans chapter 9 if you would. We see here so clearly that God's grace is distinguishing grace. God's grace is distinguishing grace. It's bestowed entirely according to the will of our great divine benefactor. If God's showing you grace, give him all the glory. 
Look at Romans chapter 9, verses 13 to 18. As is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Why? Because it pleased God to do so. I remember an old preacher one time, uh, his grandson came to him and said, you, you just preached on this, where it said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I heard this from Henry, and he said, uh, he said, son, if you can ever find out why God loved Jacob, then you have the answer. My goodness. What should we then say? Well, what should we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. You see, people, you, you tell them about this marvelous truth of the electing grace of God, and they say, well, that's not fair. You know what fair would be? We'd all be in hell. I don't want fair, do you? Not at all. Not at all. I want grace. Amen, brother. I want grace. I want, gra- I want God's grace. Is there unrighteousness with God? Paul says, God forbid. For he saith to Moses, look at this. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. Think of this in our lives. And, and this is where people get really messed up. And even in our own lives, if we want to show mercy to someone, it's, it's up to us, right? If we want to be kind to someone, it's, it's up to us, right? Why can't God do whatever he pleases? Well, that's not fair. No. Look at this. For he saith to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Aren't you glad he had mercy on you? Oh, my. And I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. There was nothing in us for him to have mercy upon us. There was nothing in us that caused him to have compassion upon us. Nothing at all. Look at this. And this is so clear in verse 16. So then it's not of him that willeth. It's not according to man's will. It's so clear there. Nor of him that runneth. You can't do anything to be saved. See, he's covering the mind here. And he's covering, now he's covering physical acts. But of God that showeth mercy. I'm looking at folks who are saved by the precious blood of the Lamb and God's showing you mercy just like he showed me mercy. And what do we do? We praise his mighty name, don't we? It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. Now he's going to give us an example. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. God put Pharaoh in control. God puts presidents and prime ministers in control. It's his will. But he put Pharaoh in control that he might manifest his strength and power, didn't he, when he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. And, and is, is it still declared even now? Yes, it is. His great power, his great deliverance is still declared even now, even today. We still declare the truth about his great deliverance. That in my name, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he have mercy, in whom he will he hardeneth. What does God have to do for a man to be hardened? Just leave him, just leave him alone. What does God have to do for a man to go to hell? Just leave him alone. What does God have to do for a man or a woman to be saved? Everything. Everything. 
He's all my salvation. So the foundation and the basis of our redemption by Christ is God's free and sovereign grace. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Paul wrote. And that redemption, which is in Christ, is the work of God's free and sovereign grace, planned and purposed and executed by him in him alone. And it was by the grace of God that Christ tasted death for us. My, that we might be raised again. Remember, he was raised for what? Our justification. To show that God was absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. And being the work of Christ and the finished work of Christ brought to complete perfection, there cannot be attributed anything to man in that salvation. Nothing at all. And you know, when Christ died, we were ungodly. When he died for us, we weren't even born at that time, but then we were born into this world ungodly, beloved. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. Tell somebody they're ungodly and watch what they say to you. But we believers, we rejoice in the fact that we were ungodly and now we're, now we're saved. The Lord saved our eternal souls. And we contribute absolutely nothing to the work of salvation. Absolutely nothing. Our faith in Christ is not the cause of our redemption. See, religion says, well, you believe and then God writes your name in the book of life and then you're born again. No. Faith does not come before regeneration. That's what religion teaches. That's called decisional regeneration, where they say you pray, you pray a prayer, now you're, now you're saved, now you're born again. Where's the Holy Spirit in that? He's not in it. The Lord said you must be born again. And when you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we receive the atonement by faith, but we did not, but we do not make atonement by faith. Look at this, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 11. But God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What were we when Christ died for us? Sinners. Much more than being now justified by his blood, saved by the blood of Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from wrath. Why? Because God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, so much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Beloved, we were ungodly. We were enemies in our minds with God. But think of this. We didn't even know that 2,000 years ago we were reconciled to God by the death of Christ. That's what that one verse is bringing up here, verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. Now that we're born again, we know that it's Christ who saved us. Saved by his life, right? Because he lived the perfect life and saved by his death as well. 
Don't forget the life of Christ was just as important as the death of Christ because in his life, he fulfilled the law in our place perfectly. And in his death, he bore the, the wrath of God and satisfied the law and justice of God in our place. So we're saved by his life and his death, beloved. And, and in verse 11, and not only so, but we also join in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Notice it's singular. The atonement. Singular. By the death of Christ. By no other. No other. The third point I'd like us to consider in the cause of our redemption in Christ is that we can trace our redemption in Christ to the mercy of God. Mercy of God. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God's mercy has been shown to we who are his people. Without God showing mercy, none of us would be saved, because God shows us mercy in Christ. In Christ. And when did our God first resolve to have mercy upon us? When did, he, when did he first resolve to have mercy on his chosen people? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. When did he do this? In eternity. Before there was ever a world. Before the, remember what we looked at in Ephesians chapter 1, believe what the word of God says. It says, before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in Christ. You know why people, you know why people are offended by the word of God? Because they don't believe it. And you know why a lot of religious people, when you tell them these wonderful truths about God's electing grace, why they don't accept it? Because they don't believe the Bible. And I can tell you that because I was in their place at one time. When I was religious, someone told me about election. Y'all have heard that before. I, I went up one side of this guy and down the other, and he was a preacher. I went up side, one side of him and down the other and said, you're telling me God chooses people? That's not fair. Well, now, now I love that. That truth. I was religious but lost. I didn't believe what the Bible said. I sure do now, by God's grace and by his mercy. God determined to save a people in eternity. He didn't look down through time and see who would choose him like, like some say. Because you know what? That would make man the sovereign then. Because it would be based upon what they did. But see, God's, God's salvation is, flows from his free and sovereign grace. I remember when, when I was reading some, one old-timer preacher from the 1700s, and he said, God looked down through time, and all he saw was us dead, every one of us dead in trespasses and sins. And he I choose that one, and that one, and that one. My. Isn't that amazing? Think upon that this week. Don't let, this, don't let the doctrine of election become commonplace. It's marvelous. 
grieves us in awe that God would show us mercy. And God was moved by his mercy. He was moved by his everlasting love for us. He was moved by his grace. So much so that he sent Christ, the day spring from on high, to redeem us from our sins. And God visited his people, didn't he? And he redeemed us, beloved. Bone of our bone. Flesh of our flesh. And that which was promised, that mercy which was promised, was performed when Christ redeemed us on Calvary's cross. Because God said he saved his people from their sins, and he did. All according to his mercy. The last point I'd like us to consider is the fact that we can trace our redemption in and through the Lord Jesus Christ to the will and purpose of God. I hit on that earlier. The will and purpose of God. Let's look at that verse again, 2 Corinthians 5.18. It's so clear here. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. See, God willed that we would be reconciled to himself through Christ, who is God incarnate in the flesh. It happened all according to the will and purpose of God. See, God's not up there, well, Adam fell, now i got to go to plan B. No. No. Adam fell according to the will and purpose of God. Right? That a redeemer might come into this world. Now, God doesn't cause sin, does he? No. No. He's not the author of sin. Not at all. But he allowed the fall to happen that the Redeemer might come to save us from our sins. My, oh my. Now we walk with the Lord and often in wonder and awe we say, God chose me? Why me? We all do it, don't we? I haven't met a believer yet who hadn't said that. Why me? And as we grow in grace, we still say it, even though we know the answer. We still say, Lord, it's incredible. Here's the answer. You who are saved, you can trace the cause of your redemption in Christ all the way back to the will and purpose of God in eternity. Just meditate upon that this week. I am saved in Christ according to the will and purpose of God from eternity. And if you want a verse to think about, look at that one we looked at in Ephesians, right? Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why? Remember, according to the good pleasure of his will. Oh, my goodness. According to the eternal purpose of God, he purposed in Christ, again, who was foreordained, right? He's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. It was foreordained that he would die for people, for all those who the Father gave to him in eternity. So you and I as believers, we were given to Christ in eternity. I know we hear it all the time, but believe what God says. From eternity. And let that sink in. There's so many people around us who God's just leaving alone. 
And he chose me. I know there's nothing in me that would cause him to do that. My. And in order to redeem us from our vain conversation with his precious blood, our Savior was set forth in the decree and purpose of God in eternity to be our Savior. And God appointed him to be the Redeemer of his people. And he appointed us not under wrath, He appointed us not under wrath, beloved. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. Where is that? 1 Thessalonians. Look at this, verse, verse 9 of chapter 5. How do we know that's true? How do we know that God has not appointed us to wrath? Look at this wonderful verse, beloved. And just rejoice in this wonderful verse. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Think upon this this week. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. By our Lord Jesus Christ. When did he appoint that? When did he decide this? In eternity. In eternity. God appointed Christ to be our redeemer. beloved, And he appointed us to not receive the wrath of God for our sins. And being moved by his love and grace and mercy to redeem his people, save his elect. His wisdom found a way to accomplish the work in total consistency with his justice, that he might be a just God and the justifier of his people. Again, again, this gospel could not be made by man, could it? No. Like Paul said, he said, I certify this gospel I preach unto you. It's not a man. <laughs> and remember that not is in the absolute negative. You can't get more more that it's not a man. Wonderful. And God has shown his people mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. So let we who are the redeemed think upon these wonderful truths this week and rejoice in the fact that Christ has saved us from our sins. And may he take this message and use it for his glory. And may he draw in the lost sheep, no matter where they be, who listen to this message, if it be his will. That's our hope, isn't it? That's our hope. We're here for the furtherance of the gospel. This is God's work. This is his church, and we're here for the furtherance of the gospel. May he receive all the glory, honor, and praise. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for allowing us.